Great, thank you. Thank you, Dave. Well, welcome, everybody, uh, again to Top Church. If you don't know who I am, I'm James. I'm uh, the vicar here. And, um, yeah, it's lovely to see you. Uh, so we've got a little uh, PowerPoint. So um, I've got a question for you all this afternoon. Uh, who is... I'm presuming, first of all, everyone's into kind of detective fiction or TV series. Yeah, you like a, I can see you like a Midsummer's Murder and all that sort of stuff. So, so who, who is your favourite? Who's your favourite TV detective? So, uh, is it Miss Marple on the right? Uh, looks like a church warden, doesn't she? Really? So, uh, Miss Marple on the right, you'd be very nervous if she came for tea. Uh, would it be Vera? Some people like Vera. She's quite popular, Vera, uh, these days. Or Father Brown, a good Catholic. Your Freddie likes Father Brown, a uh, good Catholic. Sherlock Holmes, a very modern Sherlock Holmes looking, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, a lot of nodding there. And who fancies Luther? I mean, who likes Luther? Uh, and uh, yeah, very popular as well. So, uh, so um, you know, chat to your neighbour. Say, who's your favourite? Who are you going to call, apart from Ghostbusters, uh, if you're in trouble when there's no 99? Okay, favourite TV de- detective. Have a quick chat, just for 30 seconds. Uh, Maybe those or somebody else, and uh, have a little think about it. Wonderful. There you go. That's. Uh, I think that had as, as much energy as the uh, Sarah's one about your favourite uh, service station or something like that on the motorway. So, so uh, we can have a little vote. Luther. Who likes Luther? Anyone? Uh, any favourite Luther? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Miss Marple. Any old school kind of? Yeah. Sherlock. Yeah, you can't. Oh, very popular. Father Brown. Vera. Yeah, a few Veras. Yeah, well, there you go. There you go. Well, um, good. It's nothing to do with my talk. Just really want it. No. Uh, so um, the reason I ask that is uh, next slide. Thank you, Nathan. Uh, is this? We're going to be looking at a little passage today from John's Gospel. Now, John is like a master detective. Okay, the way he wrote and sculptured and made uh, his gospel. That he's like a. a Detec- yeah, detective always leaving clues. No, was that a criminal who leaves clues? I don't know. Anyway, so he's a bit like a detective uh, who's always kind of want- he's wanting us to be a detective. That makes him a criminal. That's not anyway. You get the idea that he's leaving clues for us to pick up on and understand. So all the way through the book, he's kind of leaving these clues, and he's wanting us through each of these little clues to try and um, kind of pick up and make up and understand the power and the beauty of Jesus and all that he is and all that he can do for our lives. So all the way through John's gospel. He's kind of dropping these little clues, and he's hoping as you read it, he's kind of forward thinking, think, yeah, that lot in Top Church, I can see they're all Vera's, and you're going to be reading it like Vera, and you'll be uh, just picking up these little ideas and these little clues that he's dropping all the way about who Jesus is. So right at the start of the gospel, some of you will know, um, he kicks it off with, in the beginning was the, the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was made God, and after that, good luck if you can remember it, but, but basically it's, it's that, that's the opening, and all of us will suddenly think, I'm sure you will, you think, that reminds me of Genesis, doesn't it? Start of Genesis. In the beginning, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. It's the passage we started with in our service. So immediately, John is kind of dropping a clue. He's saying, what I'm writing about is like big time stuff. It kind of links back to the beginning of creation. So this person, this word who's made flesh, was God himself. So, so immediately, John is dropping some big clues and some big kind of clangers, uh, 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 really, to help us to kind of understand what who Jesus is and what he's doing about. But after that great introduction, then he starts to get a little bit more nuanced. Then he starts to kind of 
you know, it's people who like Sherlock Holmes, you, you know, and Vera, of course. But then he starts to kind of want us to get a little bit more clever and sharper, and he begins to drop in these little hints. Now, um, this morning, Dave Shaw, where, where's Dave gone? He's, he's over there. He rang me at five this morning, because he'd just finished his prayer time. And he rang me, and he said, um, James, I've just reading, finished reading John chapter one in the Greek. And he said to me, I can't help but notice, and then he went, he did a little bit of chapter two, because he's like that, Dave. I can't help but notice um, that, you know those, you know it starts in the beginning. I said, oh, too, Dave, yeah. He said, and you know, like, I have seven days of creation in Genesis. And I said, I do, Dave, yeah. And um, I'm a vicar, Dave. I get paid to read it, I know. And then, then he said, um, did you notice that in John chapter one and John chapter two, there's seven days mapped out as well? And I said, of course I know, Dave, but I'm glad you've noticed now. So, so there's these seven days mapped out, and you'll see it in John chapter one and chapter two as you read it. And the seventh day is the wedding of Cana, the big celebration, which links with the seventh day of creation, big day of rest and partying and drinking and whatnot. Anyway, so the reason I mention all that is this. What we're going to do is this. We're going to just focus in on one of those seven days that gets mentioned uh, at the beginning of John's Gospel. And we're just going to look at a day of Jesus and we're going to pick up on some things. But remember, Anna's going to come and read the passages. Remember, when Anna's reading it, we've got to be a bit Sherlocky, a bit, bit Vera, a bit Luther, not Miss, maybe Miss Marple, I don't know, whoever you want to be today. And um, we're looking for little clues and nuances and kind of words that that actually John is writing, but might occur later on uh, in his gospel. So Anna, do you want to come and uh, read the passage? It'll come up on the screen. It's just two, uh, two slides. So it's from John chapter one. Thanks, Anna. On the following day, John was standing with his two disciples. He looked straight at Jesus as he walked along and said, there is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned around and when he saw them following him, spoke to them. What do you want? He said. Master, where are you staying? They replied. Come and see, returned Jesus. So they went and saw where he was staying and remained with them for the rest of that day. It was then about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two men who had heard what John said and had followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He went straight off and found his own brother, Simon, and told him, We have found the Messiah, meaning, of course, Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked steadily at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. From now on, your name is Cephas, that is Peter, meaning a rock. The following day, Jesus decided to go into Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Brilliant. There you go. We've got a Bible verse for meeting at four o'clock. Did you notice that? It's four o'clock in the afternoon. It's, isn't it? Anyway, there you go. It's nice. Anyone who's a fundamentalist, you'd enjoy that bit. Um, so anyway, so the three things we're going to look at from that uh, passage is and we're going to pick out some of these uh, key words, which then actually begin to uh, work its way all the way through John's gospel. Now remember, John is kind of leaving us clues, and we're trying to pick up a picture of who Jesus is and how we have to be in the world as we follow Jesus. And the first thing I want to pick up on is the word standing, is the word standing. I don't know if you noticed um, in, in, that, in the reading that Anna gave us, it says John the Baptist that's kind of the forerunner to Jesus he was standing still and Jesus was walking so John was standing and he was pointing at Jesus as Jesus was walking now here's the interesting oh sorry Nathan you are right but we we stick we stick with I'll finish soon mate I get the gist so uh, um so um so um so 
Jesus, if you notice, with John the Baptist's ministry, so he, those who don't know, so he was really popular, okay? So it kind of like everybody was going out to be baptized by John. It was like a who's who of baptisms, okay? So it was all over the place, and um, everybody's going out to him, out, you know, leaving the cities and going to the desert, and he was mega, mega popular. Everybody, and even the kings, and wanted to kind of hear, and Herod wanted to know what he had to say. And then there's an incredible moment where it says, John was standing still and looking and pointing to Jesus. There's something about the grace and that humility where John the Baptist suddenly realized he saw Jesus. He stood still. He's not moving anymore. He's like, I've done, I've done my bit now. I've done my bit. And now my point is I've got to point people to Jesus. There was this beautiful grace and kind of winsomeness and, and lightness about John the Baptist, despite kind of his preaching, which seems to be very strong, of recognizing actually his moment had come to say, you know, you know what, I'm going to stand still now, and I point towards Jesus. You know, every Monday and Thursday morning, we have a little, uh, we go, have a little online prayer group, which you're welcome uh, to join us. There's just a, a few of us, and we follow the Northumbria community, and they have a meditation, there's scripture reading, some prayer, what have you, and there's a little meditation. And I can't remember um, all the, the words to this one, but it, it goes something like this, that um, hurry came into my room to... I've forgotten it now. What, can you remember the hurry one, Sarah? It's very good. It's very good. You'll have to come along. And uh, someone, someone may remember, but hurry is, an un, is it? hurry is an unpleasant thing. It came into my room today. And they were there, but they weren't there and went away again. It's something like that. And it's a really beautiful kind of moving passage of saying that when we're hurrying around all the time, even when we're in a room, we're not there because we're somewhere else, aren't we? It's like when you're talking to somebody and you know they're not interested and they're, they're looking around and they want to find someone else to talk to. And, and that's that kind of hurry kind of mentality and what John the Baptist presents and what he's, the John the Gospel writer is beginning to open up to us, which we see, is that in order to see Jesus, sometimes we have to stand still. We have to stop a little bit. We have to stop worrying and hurrying and, and that kind of unpleasantness that that brings and be still and focus on Jesus. And so many of us, I imagine, live quite busy lives, or even if our lives aren't busy, our heads are busy, aren't they? Full of things we have to do and, and things that we're thinking about and worrying about. And right at the start, John has given us the first clue. He's saying the way to be a follower of Jesus is to carve out those times and carve out that way of just standing still. And when you're standing still, then you can see Jesus. But rushing around, sometimes you just don't see him because you're so caught up in our things, aren't we? But as we stand still, we can look and we can see Jesus. And there's something else about John the Baptist that's really beautiful, isn't it? Of, 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 he knew he was a means to an end. That sounds a bit harsh, doesn't it? But he wasn't the end in himself. He knew he was there to point to Jesus. And that's really you know, our role as churches, isn't it, in Dudley? Is that we're not here to point to ourselves to say how great we are and look at all the things that we do. But we're just a means to an end, as it were, of a way of pointing and showing people Jesus. And really, that's, that's our job. Not a, we're not here, we're not sort of running the historical Jesus Society or kind of self-preservation society for, for just buildings and what have you. Though important as it is. But we're all here, this building is here, to point to Jesus. And we do that often, not by running around, but by standing still. So maybe you're thinking, I'm a bit stressed at the moment. I can't quite see Jesus. I'm not quite engaging with God. And, and we all go through those times in our lives. It might be just 
try and find that place where you can stand still. And, you know, it's nice being around people who are calm, isn't it? Non-anxious presence. They're quite hard to... I mean, there's loads of them in this room. But other than that, it's quite hard to find, isn't it? You know, it, it's a lovely thing, isn't it? You know, think of that person who comes in. It's like, oh, I'm so glad they're here, you know. Because they know they bring that peace and that stillness. And maybe that's something we need to cultivate in our lives. So that's the first little hint uh, that John gives us about following Jesus is standing. Uh, but the next one is, uh, we've already seen, is walking. Is walking, isn't it? So it's really interesting. As John the Baptist is standing, Jesus is walking. Now, remember John, he, the way he writes these things, he's, he's a bit of a character. So he's always, everything has a double meaning with John, okay? He's, you know, or triple meaning. He, he, he's a fantastic writer. So he's writing at a surface level, but actually he's using words and images and symbols that help us to go, to go a little bit deeper so it talks about Judas going out and it was cold and dark and night you know and it was night in his heart then he all the way through he has these kind of little images that are kind of uh, double you know can double up into different ideas and so here we have this image of John the Baptist being still and Jesus walking Jesus doing something Jesus on the move he's never stationary Jesus is he you, he's always walking he's always doing something there's that Aslan is on the move there's that sense of adventure uh, and excitement and as he's walking, it's fascinating, is it? It's as he's doing stuff, um, the disciples start doing stuff. You, you, you notice that as Jesus starts doing stuff, we all go, oh, we better do something, we're on the move, you know. And, and they begin to do stuff, and they begin to uh, get active, and we get caught up in something. But what I find really fun about this whole thing is that when you start going on a venture with Jesus and, and the next steps in our lives is that they, they say, you know, we want to come and stay, we want to find out what you're doing and all that kind of stuff. And Jesus' response to them is, is this, is, well, yeah, come, come and see. I'm walking around, but, you know, come and see. So how would that feel to you if you're thinking, right, I'm going to, you know, commit myself to this person for the next, you know, however old you are, the rest of my life. Um, I'd like to have a rough idea what I'm going to be doing, how it's going to pan out, what the pension is and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm going to say to them, look, well, I'm, I'm going I'm, to, I'm all in Jesus, um, what's the plan? And the response is, well, just, you just have to come and see, really. It's a little bit, if you like your details or your list, it's a little bit annoying, isn't it? If you like to know what you're doing, you know, it, fine for people like my wife, Esther, who, who you find out what we're doing when you do it. Uh, but for everybody else, it might be, if she's watching, it might be, um, um, wish me luck. So it might be a, a little sort of frustrating because what Jesus offers isn't this highly detailed kind of mechanical life, but this massive sense of destiny sometimes, but with very little detail destiny but not without not always with the detail you know uh, uh, you know a big adventure come and see but without necessarily a list you know I think if I had known what was involved in saying yes to top church and all the amazing things and challenging things I probably would have said oh, little coastal town in Dorset it's fine I'm you know quite happy there but you know you just fall for it don't you you think oh I'll do that then okay God if that's what you want me to do and suddenly you find yourself involved in all sorts of things you weren't expecting it's that come and see that walking with Jesus it's that big picture stuff and it might be for some of us when we get into that kind of the mundane of life we just lose sight of that you, you, you know or you just sort of get it gets a bit mundane you just think well you get kind of routine but maybe there's something here this afternoon where Jesus is just stirring us up a little bit and saying hey look there's a big picture here it's it's not just you know the little things that you're doing there's a big picture here there's an adventure here to be had why, why don't you just, just just come and see just have a go see what it looks like have it you can always do something else you know but that temptation is it almost is enticing us to say 
Come and walk, come and see, and see what you can do. It's absolutely terrifying. It's very exciting, but that's what it's like going on an adventure with Jesus. And the third thing, just to uh, pull out before Sarah leads us in some prayer, is abiding. Now, going back, remember my phone call at five this morning from Dave? Well, then at 5.15, he rang me again. And, um, and he, I said, oh, hi, Dave, how you doing? You all right? And he, I said, what have you done? Read Exodus or something? And he said, no, Leviticus, no. Uh, he said, James, I've just read now uh, the whole of the Gospel of John again in 15 minutes. The man is godly. And I said, it's amazing, amazing Dave. And I said, did you read it in the Greek? He said, always, only read it in the Greek. So of course you do, Dave. I said, what did you notice? He said, James, you wouldn't believe how many times the word staying and abiding and dwelling occurs. I said, Dave, how many? He said, 65. I said, well, I didn't know that, Dave. And I said, Dave, as it happens, I'm speaking about that later. So that works out quite well. He said, a pleasure. And then he put the phone down. There you go. That was it. It's drama. Drama. (laughs) Drama. So 65 times this word occurs, abiding or staying. So the disciples come up to Jesus and says, where are you staying? Now, they don't just mean you're the premier inn or travel lodge or, you know, you're Novotel, you're a bit richer. What they're trying to say is, is, is kind of like, where are you? Who are you? What's your source? Where, where does it come from? You know, what's the root of all this? Do, do, do you see what I mean? It's not just where are you staying? What's your address? Oh, I live here. But it's something deeper. It's, what is, it's the word like abiding and dwelling. Where are you abiding or who are you abiding in? And Jesus begins to kind of, and John begins to open up uh, this whole thing of abiding and dwelling in Jesus. So you see what's happening here. There's this nice little pattern emerging just in this one day of Jesus which finishes at four o'clock this nice little pattern begins to emerge of standing and looking at Jesus as we're still we can see him and then he starts walking and we get involved in that adventure and as we get involved in that adventure we realize that we need to keep abiding and dwelling in Jesus there's something intimate and beautiful and wonderful and then right after that you saw it in the reading Jesus is off again and he's walking And that kind of flow is that continuous movement in our following Jesus. It's standing and looking. It's walking with Jesus, going on an adventure, though we don't quite know where it's going to end up. And then it's abiding and being with and enjoying the presence of Jesus. And it's those three things in John's Gospel, those two things we celebrate at Epiphany, that kind of draw us into to following Jesus and, 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 being, and being with Jesus. And that's a kind of a beautiful way uh, to live I'm sure you know, but I finished with a story that I tell hundreds of times. I just check, check the time. And um, it's this wonderful story, which I, I kind of encapsulates it a little bit, of, you know, the priest and the, the boy. I'm sure you, you, you know the one. Uh, you know, in France, there's a, there's a true story of a priest in France where they have, you know, you know, lovely churches by the squares and fountains that grow croissants and all that sort of stuff. So, so there's a little boy there watches the priest go into the church every day. Uh, throughout his life and when the when the lad gets to be about 18 and has a bit of courage and strength uh, he says um, you know what do you do in there every day I've seen you go in there every day of my life what on earth do you do and the priest says well I pray and the this young man says well you must have so much to pray about because you go in there every day you know what do you pray about and the priest says oh, oh nothing I don't have very much to pray about at all he says what do you mean he said well it's simply this he said when I go in there I sit down and look at God. God sits down and looks at me, and I am content, and he is content. I sit down and look at God. God sits down and looks at me, and I am content, and he is content. That heart of abiding with Jesus, and out of that abiding becomes, you start to see God, and you look, and you start to walk, and get on with the wonderful things that 
God has planned for us. So there you go. It's a little day with Jesus. It's not bad, is it? Should we pray together? And then we'll have a song of worship. Sarah will lead us in some prayers for ourselves and the world and uh, the needs that face us. Love and God, we thank you for this beautiful little passage. And we thank you that there's so much in such a short day of following you. We pray for all of us here, Lord. We pray for one another. We pray that we might stand and be still and see you, Jesus. We pray that we might hear your words calling us again to walk and follow you and come on some great big adventure. Hearing those words, come and see. Well, I don't know what's going to involve. Well, just come and see, says Jesus, and trust me. And we pray, Lord, that we might forever abide in you and sit down and look at you and you sit down and look at us and receive your gaze of love upon our lives that we might live lives of love towards others. We ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.